Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You know, a tree fell last night around 6 p.m., and we have been without power since then. So we do have a generator. It's able to keep the lights on and the heat going, thankfully, but uh, no hot water. Uh, But as we speak, there were crews working And uh, when we left the house anyway, there were crews working. Hopefully they didn't need to leave to get a part or something like that. (laughs) But um, the point I'm making about power outage is that light and darkness is especially palpable to us when we have a power outage. We're chugging along and everything is fine as we were doing, chatting with each other. and, And then, boom, all of a sudden it's just pitch black. And you're fumbling around looking for a flashlight or something. Our lessons tonight speak to us through this theme of light and darkness. However, in the case of our sinful and fallen world, it's the opposite of the lights going out. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people were walking in darkness and did not even know it. Such is the case of our sinful human nature. God's law is written on our heart. We feel its sting and condemnation, but we've gotten to be pretty good. We train ourselves at suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, especially when it's inconvenient. This is Romans 1 material here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You know, if you're reading through the daily lectionary, then this week you would have read one of my favorite passages from Isaiah. It's uh, from Isaiah 44. If you're reading in the ESV, the heading is The Folly of Idolatry. Basically, in summary, what it says is is that, what Isaiah says is that people will chop down a tree and they'll take a log and they'll cut it in half. And half of that log, they throw in the fire and they use it to cook and to warm themselves. And then the other half of the log, what? They fashion an idol out of it, and then they bow down and worship it. And when you look at it from that standpoint, it's so easy to see, like, how foolish is this? And you probably say to yourself, well, I mean, I haven't fashioned any idols for myself lately. Uh, I haven't been sitting there with the wood carving tools making a little idol. Yeah, well, the problem is you and I are idol factories. So we produce our own idols. You don't have to have wood carving skills to make idols. Trust me. An idol, properly understood, is 
is anything that we that that distracts us, that takes us away from true worship, which would be worship of God. And there are many things that distract us from our worship of God. We often, oftentimes place our trust in things of this earth rather than the one true God. And that is walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness because you're placing this idol between you and God. Now, I want to turn to our epistle lesson. This is really what I wanted to preach on tonight because this lesson from Titus is pithy. It's very brief, but it hits, hits you with a big punch. But at the same time, it's very easy to misunderstand this lesson. So let's take a closer look and see what the Apostle Paul was exhorting Titus and also us to do. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So that's the second time we've read that passage tonight. Here are some of the phrases that I think jump out. Renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, live self-controlled godly lives, zealous for good works. So, is this the gospel? Is the gospel a new law for us to follow? Oh, it's good news. Jesus died for your sins. So get busy keeping this law and do these things. When we hear the word ungodliness, we tend to think of lewd behavior. Combine it with worldly passions, and we think that this is going to get X-rated. But that's missing the point. Ungodliness, this word, asabei, means a lack of reverence for God. It's like this root, sabeo, is the fear of God. You know, it's not like I'm afraid of him, but I have a, a proper reverence for him. Well, asabeo is like the opposite of that. It's, 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 it's a lacking that reverence for God. Well, what about worldly passions? Well, there again, uh, epistemia means desires or lusts or passions, but it doesn't necessarily have a a sexual connotation. It can refer to any number of desires, any manner of desire. It's anything. But so it's defined as worldly. It's it's any kind of worldly desire. I mean, surely if someone is frequenting the brothel, then they are certainly demonstrating a reverence, a lack of reverence for God. But this, what, what, Paul is telling Titus here and telling us is much deeper than that. 
It's saying that there's, a, there's an ungodliness that we want to avoid that's actually respectable, especially in the society in which we live. I mean, you can go out and play golf on a Sunday morning. No one's going to, you know, chase you down and say, you know, what were, what were you doing? Why, we missed you at church. You could go out to eat in a restaurant and just dig right in without pausing for a minute and giving thanks to God. Society will not shun you for these things. That's my point. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying society is not going to shun you for that. No, you're free to ignore God in this society and yet still at the same time live a perfectly respectable life life. And see, that is what Paul is getting at with this expression of ungodliness. It means lacking that reverence for God. It is, it, it's not, you know, it's not debauchery. It's not merely debauchery. Some people will say, the pastor, I, I don't live an ungodly life. Sure. I mean, if you defy ungodliness as prostitution or drunkenness or debauchery, then yeah, most people don't live that kind of a life. But see, that's not what this text says. The bar is not set so low. Ungodliness has to be properly understood as anything that distracts us and takes us away from that reverent fear of the Lord. Thus, we are all guilty before God because every one of us has this problem in common. We have a sinful nature that clings to us. As I said, we're idol factories. We create for ourselves things to stand in the way in between us and our full, complete trust and faith in God. All right. How's that for a Merry Christmas? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. I mean, this is like, really, this is no news to the ungodly. This is nothing that's like particularly special for someone to hear if they refuse the light and continue to walk in the darkness. But to you, brothers and sisters, this is the good news. That in spite of our shortcomings, for Christ's sake, God puts our sin aside. I mean, this is the best news we've ever heard. Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, has taken human flesh. He has lived a perfect and sinless life that you and I can't live. And He's taken your sins and my sins to the cross. He's taken them to the cross and buried them there as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has separated you from your sins. And that, to the person who's walking in the light, that is the best news that they have ever heard. The light shines and reveals your sin, but just as quickly as it reveals your sin, it puts it away for the sake of Jesus Christ 
God puts away your sin. So that is what Merry Christmas really means. So, Merry Christmas. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.